0: is going on everybody welcome to another episode of the Critics Corner podcast. I'm William Locke and joining me today now of CBS Sports is Josh Melanix. Josh, welcome back. Thanks for coming on. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm good. It's uh we've we've officially completed the grind of the NBA regular season. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for the fun part. So uh, I'm
0: good. How are you? Good. Yeah. I for the listeners that don't know Recovering from wisdom teeth surgery. (laughs) So if my voice is a little bit off today, that's why it happened last Friday. So we weren't able to do an MLB pod over the over the weekend with Luis. But I'm good enough now to to talk for about an hour. So we're good. But if my S's are a little bit weird, that's why. (laughs) Um, But uh recovering off the injured list. Cheeks are still a little swollen. But yeah, really excited for the NBA playoffs. Like you said. The regular season was a bit of a grind this year, not a Super Bowl, super memorable regular season by any stretch of the imagination. Um A lot of injuries and obviously load management, again, was very prevalent. But, you know, the technically, you know, the plan's not the postseason. So kind of the the start to the postseason kind of got got off to a hot start last night. It's, it's kind of weird how they the plan doesn't count as playoffs but doesn't count as regular season it's kind of like twilight zone basketball um but i mean lakers mini last night great great out great game um lakers end up advancing and you know we're gonna end up having seven games of of grizzlies lakers which we can get into we'll, we will get into in a minute here but you know minnesota lakers last night any any takeaways from the game what did you see
1: well, I, I think I think first this is like you either depending on how you feel about the playing game, you you're on one side or the other of what happens uh, between the Lakers and the Timberwolves, right? It's either right the, the anti-playing people are very, you know, if, if a team is obviously better than another team, do they really need one more game to show you that they're better than the other team? And I think at this point like at least in the current state of the wall of the Timberwolves, the Lakers are the far superior basketball team right now, but the playing game keeps, keeps giving us games that are fine. I mean, the, the Hawks won last night, which were, which nobody was giving them a chance to do nobody. And then the Timberwolves, they gave the Lakers everything that they could handle and they were supposed to be an absolute train wreck. So it's, mm-hmm. I mean, as someone who is generally pro play in because of what it does to the last 20 games of the regular season, more than anything else, I, I was really entertained last night and to, to kind of be on the edge of my seat for a Lakers Timberwolves game, like kind of winner take all type of deal is, uh, is fun. So, uh, you know, getting a close one is, is always good and, um, and, you know, it produced a, a kind of a wild finish. We
0: were much more invested in that Lakers Minnesota series uh, game than we, we were the Eastern Conference. I mean, I feel like you know in the Eastern Conference plan and and really the first round, but the plan specifically, like it was just a battle. It's it's a battle of who who gets to get swept in the first round. But in, in the West, you know, Lakers Minnesota. I think either of those teams could give the Grizzlies or will give the Grizzlies, you know, a good series. I even think Minnesota with Gobert back um could have given us a good series. And then, you know, Minnesota, OKC or New Orleans. I think all three of those will pose some challenges to to Denver. Denver will get ultimately get by in four or five games. But there'll be at least much more entertaining series than what we're going to get with you know freaking Bucks, Chicago or, you know, the the Celtics and the Hawks. The Celtics are going to uh, eviscerate Atlanta um, Christmas present for them last night. Definitely. But, you know, well, last night the game specifically, Minnesota was soundly, in my opinion, beating the Lakers for 42 minutes. And then for whatever reason, sick, they didn't, the, the Wolves forgot how to play offense. It's kind of like in yeah. college basketball all the time, how these, you know, young, Kids forget how just forget how to play the game in the last minute, and looks it looks miserable. It looks Mm -hmm. it's a terrible product in the last minute of the game, right? Like that exactly what happened last night for the Timberwolves. But it was for six straight minutes into the into the down the stretch where they you know, for for the first forty two minutes they were cutting all over the place. The ball was moving crispy. Everybody was getting good looks. Cat was having a good cat game. You know, still had those head scratching fouls that he always has. Mike Conley was hitting. It seemed like every three he was taking, um, they were getting open looks. Like Torian Prince had a few threes. Um, Kyle Anderson was getting open looks, and then they just like forgot how to run offense, and it was unbe- unbelievably stagnant. Everyone was looking at each other like they didn't know what to do, and they they had no leader because Anthony Edwards was non-existent in that game. He's like, that's the reason they lost. But I, I put this loss on Chris Finch. If you're if you're a Minnesota fan, and you gotta feel like you really let one slip away. Um, and it sucks from a Grizzlies fans' perspective because I'd have much rather obviously had played Minnesota even with Gobert in a seven-game series than an AD LeBron-led team in Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, I, I I think what we learned last night is that Anthony Edwards isn't quite to that point where you just keep going to him even when he's having a bad night. Mm-hmm. Like like Mike Conley was the was the beginning of the of the best offense that the Timberwolves had last night. Like when, when he was involved in the plays, like part of it is because he was six of eight from the three point line. That obviously helps, but he just makes the right decision almost every single time he has the basketball. And he's just better at that right now than, than Anthony Edwards is. So when Anthony Edwards is three of 17 from the field, like, of course, of course, he should be option A, but at some point, like he's not quite to that level where it doesn't matter, at least for me, that it doesn't matter how bad he's been in the last three minutes, you give him the ball over and over again. I'm just not sure he's quite to that point. That it was just kind of so obvious that the best options they were getting were less about less about that and more about just good team offense. And they kind of went away from it and It uh, ultimately cost, I mean, (laughs) the Lakers only scored 19 points in the fourth quarter and they won the fourth quarter by seven points. Like that that is, that is impressively bad in the last 17 game minutes, they scored 16 points. Like that That, is, that that is truly atrocious.
0: Yeah. That usually doesn't win you a lot of games. No. And, you know, they still almost won the game. Yeah. So Ant had nine points, three of seventeen from the field, a who of nine from three. Just no aggression from him. Yeah, he has to be hurt. I mean, I just Ant from what we saw from him last year in the playoffs, from a Grizzlies fan perspective, again, like he was terrifying. Especially in that game one, he had I think he had like like, points. He was looking like he was going to take that leap, and then he he lays a dud like this tonight or last night. Head scratcher. But yeah, you know, Conley was great. He's the definition of a true professional. You know, he's the kind of guy that plays winning basketball. He's he's the kind of guy that you want to have on your team. I think you you texted me last night, you think a, a contender should pick him up um next year. I think he has like a partially guaranteed contract uh for yeah, next year with with the wolves. Concerned. So they could move him. Um but I mean, if you're Minnesota, I think he's the kind of guy you want to have on your team to help bring that young talent forward. And uh, I mean, I hope for for the wolves' sake that they can get past uh you know, New Orleans or OKC, mostly. I mean, I, actually, I would kind of like to see OKC in a playoff series. That'd be fun, too. I'm in on that. I, I want New Orleans as far away from the playoffs as possible, just because <laughs> I, I can't stand all the, all the love that they get, you know, all of, the, yep. all of the what what could they be, what they could be, you know, the, fe- the potential future.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: People have been picking them over the Grizzlies for the past three years, even though everything that you've seen that we've seen on the court has told you otherwise. Um, yeah. And I guess we can, we can move into that series now. Grizzlies, Lakers, starts, starts Sunday, 2 p.m. Central Time on ABC in Memphis. I, like I said before the pod, I am not mentally prepared for seven games with LeBron James um, and Anthony Davis and the Lakers, but as – today has passed as time has passed since that game ended last night, I'm becoming more and more confident just because I, I feel like neither of those teams impressed me last night whatsoever. Mm-hmm. sloppy play, stagnant offense, you know, Anthony Davis, do you trust him to stay healthy for a seven game series? he was he got banged up last night in in the first half, he was grabbing at that shoulder, grabbing at that uh, at his midsection as well. What are your how are you feeling? heading into this series with the Lakers.
1: You know, it doesn't, and you have this, you have this down in, in our outline here, but there's like a reason that no teams that aren't like a one or two seed ever win the NBA finals. Like at some point you just, you just are who you are. And like, it's, it's a, it's, it's a playoff format that's meant to Figure out who the absolute best team is, right? It's not the NCAA tournament because that's not the point of the NCAA tournament. The NCAA tournament is is carnage and a single. There's no such thing as a single elimination tournament that will 100. Will a lot of the time get the best team? Like football is about as close as you can get, just because it's really hard to beat another football team that you're clearly worse than. Um, But the NBA playoffs are meant to get the best teams to last standing and like last night the lakers looked like a 43 and a 42 and 39 team they just did and and like yeah if lebron and anthony davis have two like both have a great series yeah it's going to be tough a a tough series for the grizzlies to win but then you look elsewhere and you know elsewhere in the starting lineup jared vanderbilt who was supposed to be like one of those sexy like this is part of the reason why the lakers are more well-rounded he had He took two shots, played 22 minutes and had zero points, uh, minus 12 in the box. Uh, D'Angelo Russell. um, I I swear if they had a decision between D'Angelo Russell and going after Mike Conley, uh, uh, I mean, that's on you for making that decision uh, again with D'Angelo Russell, but he had two points on nine shots. Um, Austin Reeves, it took him 13 shots to get 12 points. Like he needs to be better than that. And (laughs) then.
0: Yeah, he got to the line, sorry, late in in the fourth quarter, I think, last night. And, I, and I'm and i like, damn, I haven't noticed Reeves at all this game. Many- yeah. and, and they showed a stat line. He had like 10 points or something. I was like, wow, I honestly, quietest 10 points that right.
1: night. Yeah. I mean, and then you look at the bench and Malik Beasley had five. And like, it's just like, it's like, like, I don't care if there's no Brandon Clark. I don't care if there's no Steven Adams the Grizzlies are still better than the Lakers. If all the Lakers have are Anthony Davis and LeBron James, right? Like we talk, we talk about the bubble, the bubble playoffs, like Anthony Davis and LeBron carried the Lakers to a finals. And like in a lot of ways they did, but they also had such a well-rounded group of role players. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that they're still like, it's better than it was, but it's still not great. And if they don't get anything from those role players, against the grizzlies they're going to lose like there's just nothing that anthony davis and, and lebron james can do like you just can't get that much production because they need to each average 37 a game and they're not going to do that um so you know i i don't love having to play lebron james in the playoffs like i just have that level of respect for lebron james but like if you asked me to bet on lebron and anthony davis making it all the way through just one seven game series without tweaking an ankle or missing a half or missing a game like i like i'm not sure i would i'm not sure i would bet on that so all things considered um i just of course love to play the timberwolves but it's it's still a two seven matchup and if you really are the second best team in the west you should head into that series feeling like you're the team that you win
0: yeah you know the lowest seed to ever win the finals. you mentioned it in the ninety five Rockets, they were the six seed. Lakers are the seven. and you know, Vegas kind of reflects that. They think the Grizzlies are favored minus one thirty favors to win the to win the series. Mm-hmm. You get the Lakers at plus one ten. And you know, I think I think you hit on it. and the Grizzlies, while we're down Adams and Clark, we still have way better depth than the Lakers do. You know, we can bring off. Uh, a David Roddy off the bench. Luke Kennard has been, I mean, I knocked the move at the deadline when it happened. I we were thinking like in the term in the you know stratosphere of an OG and an OB type player. And we end up getting Kennard, but man, he's a absolute sharpshooter from three. I'll take him over a Malik Beasley. You know, he's I, he's shooting like forty seven percent from three since he joined the Grizzlies. Something absurd like that gets a lot of great open corner looks, and the Grizzlies you hit on like. 80 and LeBron staying healthy for the entire series. The Grizzlies are, all, they're so young that we're going to try to, you know, get out and run in this series like we always do in the regular season. But, you know, LeBron looks so dead at the end of the game last night. I mean, now he's got to do that for seven straight games against a team that's, you know, a bunch of 23-year-olds. And, you know, usually the first round is is really spread out in terms of, like days in between games, but they released the the schedule uh, for the series. So we play Sunday, two days off, play Wednesday, two days off, play Saturday. That's the first three games. But then games four through seven are Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, with all, all those games only have one day in between them. So, I mean, you're basically playing every other day in the games that matter in this series, LeBron's 37, 38, however old he is, like, he's going to get, he's going to be exhausted. And, you know, can he do that at this stage of his career? And this is only round one. And, um, so that's, you know, if you're looking at it from a Lakers perspective, you worry about that. And I I just feel like the Grizzlies are kind of getting disrespected. Everyone's picking the Lakers. I feel like from a national perspective in this, in this scenario, but as a grizzlies fan as someone that's from memphis we play we we prefer being that the disrespected underdog mm-hmm. and you know it was a little weird last year all the love we were getting from a national perspective we were kind of everyone the darling the the young and up and, uh, the young and up and coming team that you know everyone was kind of going for and 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 things happened throughout the regular season this year and a lot of it self inflicted most of it self inflicted the Grizzlies have become a bit of a villain and, and now we've had injuries down the stretch of the season door. We've kind of gotten written off and it, it feels like there's there, these, this team is going to have come in with, with a chip on its shoulder heading into this series. I mean, we, we won 56 games last year, 51 games this year. We're not going to have an all NBA guy. And a lot of that's Josh own doing, he would have been first team
1: yeah.
0: where are if Jaron doesn't win defensive player of the year, which right now it's, it's up in the air, you know, Bill Simmons and Russo both went for Evan fricking Mobley and not even the best defender on his team, respectfully. And no awards, no all NBA guys, but we're too straight, two straight second season, in the West and we we'll are continue to get overlooked. So I, I personally, actually, I prefer being in this position.
1: I'm in, I'm in. I mean, Listen, the thing that it, it, the thing that should be the most terrifying is like I got no I, I got complete faith in Dylan Brooks to to be in to be up for guarding LeBron for however <laughs> many games. Like
0: he, he was born for this series. He was
1: born to be kind of getting disrespected as a two seed and getting to play LeBron. Like he was literally born for it. Um the the biggest the, the biggest question mark here is like I'm I'm less like, I just need Jaron Jackson to stand on the floor. Like, that's just like, as, as long as he can guard Anthony Davis for 66% of this series. So, play, you know, two thirds of every game. So, two thirds is what? 30 minutes is no 30. Yeah. 30, 31 minutes a game.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like 30, 34 minutes, something like that.
1: Just that's all I need for me. That's all I need. Because he's the most important player in this series 100%. And and if he can stay on the floor for 30, 30, 31 minutes a game, um, and actually be able to play defense for real for that long and not like really be on the floor and be able to play defense freely for 24 of it because he's in foul trouble, then uh, then I think the, the Grizzlies have a really good shot. And also, I just don't totally understand like like Davis and and LeBron are not the same guys that they were in the bubble. Mm -mm. Like neither of them have looked anywhere near as impressive as they looked in the bubble since the bubble. So I don't understand like what this, this um, assumption is that we're going to get those, that level of those players in these playoffs. But
0: there's um, a, whenever the Lakers come to play in Memphis, there are a ton of Lakers fans that go to the forum and it's usually a somewhat pro lakers crowd so i really hope that you know memphis comes through and it's a grizzlies crowd cuz there are a lot of laker fans in memphis mm-hmm. um and also like you do have the 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 potential warriors lakers series looming in the second round which you know adam silver is is going to try to move hell <laughs> hell or high, go, go hell or high water, whatever the freaking phrase is to get that Warriors Lakers series in the same. I mean, LeBron Curry, like both of their, you know, on the downswings of their career, last big playoff run. It's a ratings dream. Mm-hmm. Like you want that series and you don't want the Memphis Grizzlies. Like when we had the grit and grind area, we knew we were never going to win a championship or make a deep run, mostly because like, you know, we, we had the team and and the West was loaded at the time, but I mean, you know, the league didn't want that grit and grind Grizzlies in the freaking no, finals. The ratings would be in the tank. So,
1: <laughs>
0: you, you know, we're going to get Scott Foster. We're going to get some sketchy calls. The Lakers are going to get every single call. The Lakers are going to shoot 20 more free throws a game than the Grizzlies, but we can't let that affect us. And I mean, dude, who like John Moran, man, John, John's, it's, this is the biggest series of his life. Even though he was in the second round series last year, in my opinion this is like with everything that happened to him in the regular season he's supposedly refocused himself new approach to life like he has the opportunity to average 35 plus a game in this series because who on this freaking lakers team is guarding him and and and
1: late in games it'll probably be lebron right
0: you would think you might put you might move lebron over to a bane but can LeBron, can LeBron, I mean, you know, for LeBron as great as he is, can he stay in front of John Morant? No one can stay in front of John Morant for seven games. No. And, and it's and more of LeBron's not
1: exactly a lockdown defender like he used to be.
0: And, and it's more of a collective unit defensively, and there's going to be a lot of switching. And, you know, the Grizzlies will probably try to move off that matchup anyway and, and get another guy on him, like a, I don't know, a Schroeder or like an Austin Reeves. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... While everyone nationally wants is picking the Lakers to win this series, like if you look at it from an X's and O's perspective, I I still think we should we should win this series in six or seven. Um, I don't want to jinx it, but I'm quietly confident right now.
1: I'll go with that. Quietly confident.
0: Quietly confident. The other series that we I briefly mentioned is that Warriors King series, and this one, in my opinion, I'm going to be locked into every single game. This is this is. Outside of the Grizzlies series, this is my most favorite series in the first round. You got Kings team in the playoffs, basically the first time in our conscious lifetime. And a Warriors team coming off a championship, really up and down regular season, dealt with a lot of injury. You know, Andrew Wiggins had the personal thing. Uh, He's back, although he didn't play a single game in the regular season, which again, I thought was a little weird. Um, I thought you know he could have at least played one or two to ramp up instead of like dropping him into intense playoff games. Mm. Kings got home court, which is going to be huge. That crowd's going to be electric, and I- I'm curious, are, do you give the Kings any shot in this
1: series? I do. Yeah, I think I think that the even the Warriors like it's not exactly it, it, like it has. It's not like the Warriors have been when they've been healthy this year, they've been unbeatable, right? Like that's, and, and, and we haven't even seen like a lot of times if we have any, any worries about the warriors, then like we get a glimpse of what they'll look like as a, as a, as a fully healthy team. And we haven't really seen that. And I also just like, we're going to go from just like a historically bad road team yeah, to, yep. to getting a win in Sacramento like i if if anybody's going to do it like if they come out and smack the kings in the mouth and win by 17 in game 1 like i won't be stunned because it is still the Steph Curry led warriors but but i think it would be silly to not give the kings a very real shot at winning the series yeah
0: it, it it's the warriors in my opinion are very similar to the lakers this year in the sense that past champion getting so much credit for all the star power that they do have that you have to acknowledge and respect, but we haven't seen it come to fruition at all in the regular season. And that could be if these two teams end up winning the first round series, that's an indictment on the NBA's regular season. Mm -hmm. If they end up losing, then maybe we do value the regular season. a little bit more. The Warriors are minus 285 to win this series. You can get the Kings at plus 230. I mean, I think every game is going to be 140 to 130. It's gonna be like that double overtime Clippers Kings game. There's gonna be no defense played, but the Kings can score with the Warriors. You got a Monk, you got a Herder, you got a Jaron Fox who's having an all-NBA type season. You got a Sabonis in the paint who I think is gonna cause the War the Warriors a lot of headaches. Um, and you're gonna need like the Warriors are gonna be relying heavily on Andrew Wiggins and a Gary Payton to guard these perimeter players because I mean there's there there could be a game where, you know, the Kings get hot and shoot 50, 60 some percent from three, because we've seen it throughout this regular season. They, they're, they're flamethrowers. And I feel like, again, they're getting disrespected nationally. I mean, they're the damn three seed for a reason. Like they, they proved it over an 82 game series, uh, 82 game regular season that they're the third best team in the Western conference. And it wasn't really like that close. I know the Suns um, had their ups and downs and made that big trade, so, you know, they're they if they were with the KD led Suns for a full season, they would have been the one seed probably. But they're the four and the Kings earned it. So I just they have a lot of scoring and they can run with the Warriors. Now, I mean, if if things come to fruition and start clicking for the Warriors, yeah, then I'm picking the Warriors, obviously. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like you look at their bench, they haven't really figured it out this year. Jordan Poole for all as great as he was in the playoffs last year just really really head-scratching decisions from him throughout the course of the regular season he yep. he plays with Steph Curry confidence and takes the takes the shots that Steph takes And he's just he hasn't hit that he's not that guy and
1: he's, not getting that paid,
0: guy, he's getting paid like that guy mm-hmm. um DiVincenzo's gonna have to be big off the bench for the for the Warriors. Um, and Mike Brown, man, coach of the year, he's got playoff experience as well. He's coming over from that Warrior staff, so he knows how that team operates. Um, and I don't know. I w- like. I think a lot of people nationally would be very surprised if the Kings won this series. I personally, I wouldn't be too stunned if we see all of a sudden we look up and we see freaking Kings Grizzlies in the second round. I
1: I would be... Of course if the like if the Warriors come in and look like the Warriors, they're going to win the series. Like it's just going to happen. I would be I would be surprised if the Warriors came in looking like the Warriors and the and the Kings still won the series. I just don't think it's as near of a foregone conclusion as it seems to be nationally that the Warriors are going to come in and look like the Warriors. Because if they don't and they get hit in the mouth over and over again in Sacramento and nobody can guard De'Aaron Fox. I think that's probably the most important, like, like if Gary Payton, the second can, can lock him down, then, then great. But like nobody in that starting lineup, at least from the, you know, the starting lineup that they put out there in game 82 against the the trailblazers, like nobody, nobody on that list is guarding De'Aaron Fox for seven games. So, I like Wiggins needs to come in and look like the Wiggins from the last playoffs because that will make the warriors look like the warriors. And if he's not, then they're vulnerable. And I think the Kings are good enough and the coaching is good enough to, uh, to win that series. If, uh, if the Warriors give him a chance to,
0: it's asking a lot of Andrew Wiggins to just parachute in and play huge playoff minutes in a, in a round one series that is could go either way. And you know, guy hasn't played in months. Like it's just not that easy. Has he been playing five on five on the side? You don't know. We haven't seen any any reports. Um, it was everything with the Wiggins situation was kept really on, uh, under the wraps, and we didn't learn until recently why he was out. Um, I think Shams tweeted it. But I mean, the, again, very exciting series. I'll be tapped into every single game, every single minute of this series, um, and it's just great for kings fans i mean you're getting to play your basically local rivals in in a round 1 um i don't know i mean it, it's like as a kings fan you have the opportunity to beat the warriors in a round 1 and then you could beat the lakers in in a round 2 and all of a sudden you vanquished all of all of your like the demons of the past and you're in the conference finals um and this i i read this is the first time ever that all four california teams are in the playoffs so
1: a no one, one of, them, any a of one. them
0: win i don't know i mean i could very well see all of them losing in the first round so
1: i think i think if they if they come out looking a little shell-shocked and a little tight because it's the playoffs and they like they need to win game one if they lose in sacramento i've like that's a really tall task to ask a team that hasn't been to the playoffs in over 20 years to then go into the Chase Center and win a game. Like yeah. that's really, really tough. If But I also have not a ton of faith in the Warriors to go into, the, into Sacramento and win. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you're the home team and you have the better record, you don't have to go to the Chase Center to win. You just have to protect home court. And uh, that's something I think the Kings are capable of. Either way, I'm pumped for the series, and if it doesn't go, if it doesn't push six, seven games, either direction, I'll be surprised.
0: Yeah, they need—they definitely need to defend home court, and the King—that is, a, you know, a key point. The Kings don't really have any playoff experience on that roster, and obviously, the Warriors ooze playoff experience. They—they they have more playoff experience on that roster than most teams have altogether. So, right. I mean, you have to, you know, give them their their respect in that aspect.
1: Totally. Then the
0: other, the four five in the West, we got the Suns and the Clippers. The Clippers had the opportunity if they wanted to, although you know it was close down the stretch in that Minnesota game to to tank this game and get the six seed and play and play the Kings instead. Instead, they end up with the Suns, who still haven't lost with Kevin Durant mm-hmm. uh, playing, and are they're not the favorites to win the title. The Bucks are. They're the, the favorites to win the West right now. And, you know, it's really a question with them for me of, can they stay healthy? Because I don't, I, like, on, the on-the-court product is is undeniable. But can you keep a an older, aging Chris Paul healthy for the playoffs? Something that he hasn't done recently, and Kevin Durant, you know, been battling injuries all season as well. One of them was a complete fluke, um, but I, I mean, if this team stays healthy, I just, I really have a hard time seeing anyone knocking them out in the West. And you know, the Clippers don't have Paul George right now, and mm-hmm. I don't give them any chance in my opinion. In this series, mm-hmm. if he's not healthy,
1: this is about as good of a path as the Suns can get because i just like without paul george the clippers don't have enough to handle this phoenix offense and the nuggets were never going to have enough to handle the phoenix offense like the only way that the nuggets win that series is if jokic averages like 35 13 and 13 and and murray has a bubble series like that's the only way they win that series and, and
0: michael porter junior right that's a leap like a huge right. like
1: like let's let's keep listing the, the things that we would really need to happen for them to beat the Suns if they're healthy. Um, I also think you know, it's interesting. The thing that has kept the Suns from winning a title in the last five years is Chris Paul's health. I think if you get all the way through a a playoff series, a a playoffs with Chris Paul, truly healthy through it all, that the Suns would have won a title at this point. um, They can withstand that this year like like they probably can't withstand if if KD gets gets hurt but like if KD is KD they can withstand CP3 getting hurt for a series and like depending on who they're playing they might be able to withstand Devin Booker for a series but so so that's that's really interesting to me but yeah that's that's definitely the biggest question i think it's interesting the conversation between would you rather play the suns right now when they're trying to figure everything out, or would you rather get them as late as possible to give them as many chances as possible to, to tweak an ankle, to twist a knee, to, to, you know, sprain a shoulder, to sprain an elbow, whatever it might be. um, And then try to catch them late when they're a little banged up, but there's nobody in the West that is equipped to stop the healthy sons. Nobody. And, but it's just not a foregone conclusion, especially with Kevin Durant and and more CP. Like if if Durant is truly healthy, like he just he he reacclimates so seamlessly, yeah, and he so quickly plays well that I'm just not worried about Kevin Durant getting back into the swing of things. It's more it's more of the CP three thing, and like Durant doesn't get Durant gets fluke hurt which sucks, but also makes them always – you always have to think about that because it happens with alarming regularity.
0: It does. It does. Um, and injuries are injuries, you know, no matter how they happen. Um, yeah, it's it's fascinating. We've never seen, like, a, a team get its best player at the trade deadline and then go on to win a championship. But this feels like it could happen. Like, it really does. And, you know, you get the Clippers without Paul George in round one. I mean, I penciled them in for a sweep or a win in five. And then you got a Nuggets team that, again, has no real interior defense. Uh, The wing defense is questionable. Like a Bruce Brown's going to have to play a lot of minutes in that series because Michael Porter Jr. is is still maturing defensively. He's improved this year, but he's still – not there to where I think Michael Malone wants him to be. And he has, in my opinion, he has no reason that he, he shouldn't be a good defender. And so, yeah, I mean, right now, like they're on the, could be on the easier side of the bracket where they don't have to deal with like, I mean, a, an AD LeBron like team, if they're firing on all cylinders, just kind of matches up better with the Suns than, than the Nuggets do, in my opinion, with all the size that they can throw at them um and be able to see a LeBron KD series which would be awesome unfortunately that won't happen um unless they meet in the conference finals so you know that I I don't expect the Clippers to make much of a a, of a run for it in that series could be wrong I hope I'm wrong I hope Paul George gets back and it's a good series for for you know the entertainment's value Mm -hmm. of it but yeah right now I I think my pick would be Suns in four or five um in, in that first rounder that gets kicked off on sunday at seven so um hopefully you know hopefully everyone can stay healthy um from their perspective and then you got the nuggets wolves okay versus okc wolves or new orleans i mean i think minnesota would give them uh, the most challenging series out of three just because of the gobert aspect of it the gobert and cat aspect of it um and like an anthony I mean, I think Minnesota actually matches up. Like, if I'm a Minnesota fan, I would have rather played the Nuggets than the Grizzlies, if you look at it, from a matchups perspective.
1: Yeah, yeah, probably. I'm generally in the camp of, I want to play the the worst, best player possible. And right now, Jaw is just not as good as Jokic. Um, So, I, like, there's probably more, like it's I think it's probably easier to see like Murray having a bad series and MPJ kind of disappearing. Um, because those things kind of impact Jokic's impact, um, especially, you know, with his passing. But generally, like I think if the like if Timberwolves get through get through the nine-10 game or the 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 play in tournament part two, then I certainly don't think uh they should go in there rolling over. I also don't think they'll beat them, but mm-hmm. But yeah, no seed should.
0: I guess the one thing we didn't mention with the Phoenix is is just their lack of depth. They kind of got rid of it in that Bridges KD trade. Um, got rid of Cam Johnson as well in that move, and they're going to be relying heavily on like guys like Josh Okogie to guard the other team's best player. Kevin DeRythman was really good on defense when he was in Brooklyn this year, so he could guard the te- other team's best player. But you know, a Kogi or a Tory Craig, you're gonna have to play big minutes down the stretch. In, you know, closing minutes for this team. I'll be curious to see if they go with a or Craig. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like, you know, campaign, if, if, if Chris Paul gets hurt, like campaigns going to have to step up again, like he did in, in 2020. Um, and I, I expect uh, like a TJ Warren to, to have a couple games where I, I could see him like scoring 20, 25 off the bench randomly hitting a bunch of threes. Like he could, he could do that for them as well,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but their lack of depth or the, the question marks around their depth are still there. And, um, it, you know, it's a team that we haven't seen really much at all this season at full strength. So, and they're going to have to put it together for, in the most important games of the season, which will be exciting. Uh, if you had to make a pick right now for a team to come out of the West, uh, where are you leaning? It doesn't have to be set in stone. I mean, for what it's worth, you know, in our, in our preview podcast, you had, the Warriors coming out of the West. You had Bucks Warriors finals and you had the Bucks winning it. Just...
1: Uh I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick. I'm not gonna stick with the Warriors. Um, I think when you're when you're the sixth seed and I have no faith in you winning on the road, like that's an issue. Cause in theory, like if things go normal elsewhere, you're gonna have to win on the road all the way through the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the faith in the I don't have faith in the Warriors to do that. Um, and haven't seen them look like the Warriors at any point this year. So banking on them, even the Warriors banking on them to do that, I think is a sketchy business. So I'm gonna go with the Suns. Uh, I think, like I said, I think if we're if we're like you can play the 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 odds of of, of a of a guy getting injured, but if if we're just gonna play the odds gonna act like yeah probably someone's gonna get injured there would be no point in doing this so i don't think anybody can stop the suns when they're healthy and if it's chris paul that is that is not 100 percent. i still don't think there's anybody that is equipped to stop the suns so uh so i'm gonna go with them
0: yeah the the road thing with the warriors is a real thing and it like do you see you just don't see a Steph Curry, you know, going into Boston in game four and having a hall of fame, you know, career defining game. Like he did last year. I think that was game four in Boston.
1: I believe so. They
0: they just haven't done that at at all this year. And again, I think there's something it's, it's weird considering how they're so they're such a veteran led team that they, they suck on the road, but it's, it's there. I mean, the Grizzlies have it too, but it makes more sense with them because they're so young. Um, And And the Grizzlies are
1: the two seed. The Grizzlies hmm. are the two seed. Like, uh, the only like um, like if denver makes it makes it to the west finals then they'd have to win a game on the road until that point they don't have to win a game on the road
0: it's a good point it's a really good point they got to defend the form um but yeah if i had to make a pick right now i mean the sun's assuming they all stay healthy it's hard to bet against them. bet against them for what it's worth i had the warriors Preseason, I had Warriors over Nets. I feel like I deserve a mulligan for what happened in Brooklyn. Um, I give it to you. Yeah, that you know that kind of predict. I mean, could have predicted that with Kyrie. I, I should have seen that coming. I was and Ben Simmons. I don't know. We were both kind of high on the Nets. I think we both took their over.
1: I think we did. Yeah,
0: we, we both took their over Um and a half. Um, I'll go. I'll. I mean, I I have a hard time seeing anyone beating phoenix right now so i'll go with phoenix assuming all things stay the same and they stay healthy if they get it pick up an injury uh, i might have to change my pick so that's my pick out of the west we're both going suns east first round i mean if we're gonna be honest like charles barkley said it on the on the inside the nba last night like america like you don't have to tune into these games like bucks miami i would or... love
1: to know how how turner felt about their turner employee <laughs> saying that hey don't, don't you'll have to tune in we'll yeah
0: look. i don't think that was you know a great look for barkley but i mean he's not wrong everyone's no, thinking it but right. you don't have to say it on national television
1: it's uh, okay one... if if tnt was going to get upset about the type of things that were said on inside the nba then it would have happened a long time ago
0: that's very very true yeah um Which I I enjoy the fact that they're so unfiltered, like it's refreshing because you don't really see that on TV at all anymore.
1: And they and they're given the they're given the leash in like in like pregame, postgame, halftime shows that no other halftime show gets. It's just it's just a you talk, you talk, you talk. Okay, let's go to break. Everywhere else, it's
0: unbel it's unbelievably it's unbelievable how structured like even the ESPN halftime shows are. Where it's like oh yeah. They're sitting there like robots, like they're all scared. They have to say stick to the script. Yeah. Everyone has their 10 second, you know, foray into whatever they want to talk about. And then yeah. it's like boom, 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 commercial. Boom, boom, yep. boom, commercial. Boom, boom. Come back from come back, or they'll do the they'll do the classic, like come back from commercial, and then they'll talk for like five seconds. Like, here's a cut shot of them warming up for the second half. All right, back to commercial. Yeah, Whereas in, yeah. you know, I feel like on inside of the ABA, they go on for a while and they have some real dialogue and it, it's refreshing to see that. And um, I mean, it's unique. So we have to, we do have to cherish that because we don't know, like, who knows how long we'll, we'll, we'll continue to get that. Um, but if you had to pick like a series to watch in the East in the first round, it's undoubtedly Cavs versus Knicks. 100%. And unfortunately, you know, Julius Randall right now is hurt. He has that sprained left ankle. That I think that he hurt that back in March. Uh, he did practice on Tuesday, uh, unsure his status. Right now, the Cavs are minus 200 to win this series. You can get the Knicks at plus 165. Cavs are the four, so they have home field or home court advantage. Um, and you have two teams that don't have a ton of playoff experience. You do, the one thing with the Cavs that I think gets overlooked is Donovan Mitchell does have a ton of playoff experience, and he's their best player. He's arguably a first team All NBA guy. So I think you have to put some respect on his name. The Knicks, not as much but the garden's going to be rocking, you know, New York, from an athlete's perspective, I can't think of a place I'd rather play than New York um, right now in the playoffs, the the Mecca, it all just comes together. Um, Cavs Knicks, man, it's going to be a, it's going to be a throwback series, you know, two of the better defensive teams in the league, Thibodeau, JB Bickerstaff. um, What are your your initial reads uh, heading into this series?
1: I think the uh, I think the Donovan Mitchell the Knicks could have had me kind of thing is fun. I think uh, just, just you know whether it's like Donovan Mitchell kind of seems like the type of guy who would who would turn it into I can't believe you picked Jalen Brunson over me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you and I both know it's not that it's not that cut and dry. And the Knicks would be a would be maybe not worse team, but they would be less. They would be not as well equipped as a playoff team, if Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell were in their backcourt together. Um, so I think that's, I think that's fun. And like, you're, you're right. Um, Julius Randle not being hundred percent makes this a little bit less fun, but it's the only, and, and, and in the scope of the Eastern conference, more than anything, um, it's the only series that like, I'm not totally convinced who's going to win. I think the Cavs will win. I think they're the better basketball team between their defense and Evan Mobley and having um, a guy like Donovan Mitchell, who, who has shown the ability to be the go-to guy in a playoff series. um, I think, I think they'll win it, but I think it'll be close. And I think you make a good point that it's two teams that like, they don't scream um, super modern basketball. They don't scream it. Like everybody has it at this point. Because you can't, you just you're not going to be successful if you don't. But they don't scream it in some of the ways that like the Kings may scream it or the Warriors may scream it. Like I think it'll be, I think it'll be a fun series. And I um after seeing what happened in Madison Square Garden um, during both the Big East tournament and then to see it get some similar sp- some center stage spotlight in, in the NCAA tournament, I like watching watching playoff important basketball inside msg and uh we're gonna get to see it again and uh, i think it's gonna be really fun the, the Cavs
0: yeah. do have the the foundation to be a one of the better teams in the eastern conference for the next five to ten years in the sense that they have a really good young point guard that makes everybody around him better makes great decisions down the stretch and then you have Uh, you know, an all NBA shooting guard as your best player, the guy can go out and get 70 a game, No, 70 a game. Jesus Christ. He can get you 70 in a game like he did this year. Um, Which I think goes forgotten because that was on the same night that the the DeMar Hamlin thing happened. So no one was really watching the Donovan Mitchell game at that point, but he did score 70. Um, And then you have, you know, a Mobley, and in Allen, you know, mobile, you, a lot of people are comparing to Kevin Garnett, uh, one of the better defensive, you know, players in the league right now, I think his offensive upside uh, still needs to fill out there. Um, and then mobile, you know, uh, a defensive stopper as well. And can, can score really well around the perimeter or sorry, around the rim. The the one spot right now that they're, they're kind of weak in is that three. And um, you know, Okoro's. You know, Ben. Like for what it's worth, like he has improved sh- from behind the arc, but from behind the arc this year, uh, I think he's shooting like forty percent since December from from three, which is really impressive for him. It's it's still a low volume, but you know you got to tip your cap to to him
1: for improving in that aspect. And he's like quietly like last year was like you know, like you'd like that guy to be a little better than thirty five percent from the three point line, but like he's been respectable the last two years. Like he was twenty nine percent as a rookie. Mm-hmm. The last two years like like I said, you like that guy when that's his job to be closer to the 38 39 and ideally right in the 40 percent range. but it's not like he never knocks down any shots, which I think is kind of the thing that people default to sometimes. and like you said, 36 percent on only two and a half attempts is not impressive. But it's also not like like nobody's gonna leave him completely wide open. It's not like it's Tony Allen, right. and I think sometimes he gets thrown closer to that group of kind of uh, defender wings than than he probably should. It,
0: ideally, like if you're you know a, a championship level team, ideally a core is a guy that's coming off the bench for you, not starting. Agree. But that's also awesome part. Of it. I, I do think you know. He 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 should be good enough for them to get past the Knicks without Randall. Um, I do think the Knicks have a lot of defensive looks that they can throw at the Cavs, and I, I'm curious to see this Cavs offense in the playoffs. Like, do they stick with those two bigs, or do they decide to go small and like run Mobley at the five? But then you're going to kind of have to rely on probably like a Karis Levert playing key minutes. And I don't know if I love seeing Karis Levert play key, play key minutes for this team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, even though he's a Michigan guy and I like him. Um, you know the truth is the truth like uh, you know I I, so who off that Cleveland match is going to come off and play you know key minutes or score you know 20 points randomly in a game for them right like I do see this team at least giving Milwaukee like headaches in the second round I wouldn't necessarily pick them yet they they kind of remind me a bit of the Grizzlies last year where you really just want to get that first series win with this young nucleus under your belt and then in the next years that follow, try to build off that and maybe make a conference finals, um, which is really hard, man. It's really hard to win two freaking NBA playoff series, let alone one. So if they get past the Knicks, like I think you know they can consider this season a success, especially if you know they end up with a Milwaukee, you know, a juggernaut at this point, in my opinion. Um, so I don't know. This will be a fun one, um, but I'm i, I might as well going with the Cavs right now. In terms of the other three series in the first round, it's like, I mean, the Hawks have no business like sharing the floor with the Celtics. Now they did bully ball the Heat last night, which I think is a bit of an interesting note. Like they could take that into this this Boston series, and I think you know Clint Capella, who was getting every offensive rebound in that game last night against Miami, against a solid center in Bam Adebayo, he could you know have his way. BAM looked awful. BAM looked really bad. Kyle Lowry was the best player for the Heat last night, at least offensively. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, maybe Capella can give them fits and we see it all come together for the Hawks in this series and they win a game, <laughs> but, um, I'm not giving them of a chance. Are you?
1: No, I'm, I'm not. I think you like, you'd like to be able to look at the, you'd like to be able to look for four points, 21 rebounds. What an absurd stat line. Um, it's, uh, it's it's one of those things you want to look at the the playing game and think, uh, okay, so what happened? What happened is that the Heat suck and the Heat are old, and they looked like they were a team that was forty four and thirty eight, and a team that hadn't really been all that impressive all year, and that their most important guys are all in their mid thirties. <laughs> like that's just kind of the way that it is. At least their most important yep. um scores uh well, maybe Tyler here but you get my point I mean they just look like a team that that has made some really some really poor decisions in terms of the talent that they're putting around their most important guys um over the last half decade or so and so so it might just be more about okay like the heat they're just bad like they might just be bad like if they bring if they bring the performance that they bring that they brought to the first playing game to the next one, like they're going to lose. They're going to miss out on the playoffs. It's going to happen. But I think it might have said more about where the Heat are right now than where the Hawks are. Because they didn't really do anything all that impressive. They were they shot 47% from the field. They were they only were 16 of 27 from the free throw line and 10 of 41 from the three-point line. And they won in Miami.
0: And I think the Miami crowd was. Uh, representative of how the Heat felt about that game, They mm-hmm. the players themselves—they just yeah. didn't show up, and neither you know the fans didn't show up. The team didn't show up. No one really cared. Like,
1: like if you took no the energy. play-in tournament words off the off the sideline, and I just gave that to you and said, "What ga- what game is this?" You'd have been like, "This is game fifty-three in the middle of January."
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was embarrassing for them, and they'll end up playing the winner of the Bulls and Toronto game. And I, I mean, if the Bulls come out of that even Toronto, they're super young and athletic. I I wouldn't be stunned if either of those teams go into Miami and win that game. Um, It doesn't matter. Like it it just doesn't matter who wins that because they're going to get swept by Milwaukee anyways, at this point. Um, Agreed. So, you know, whatever with those two series Sixers and that's at least will be interesting with all the, the wings that Brooklyn can throw at Philly and you have that, James Harden uh, Achilles injury that, you know, having dealing with Achilles soreness is always, you know, concerning and hasn't looked like himself since that injury happened. Um, So I could like theoretically see the, the Nets at least giving the Sixers a run for their money. Ultimately in an NBA MVP season where Doc Rivers for all of his flaws has been pulling the right strings in the regular season. If you lose to the Nets in the first round, Joel Embiid will never win anything in Philadelphia, and you have to you have to move on and start completely fresh. Um, if if they lose in the first round this year to a Nets team that you know was thrown together at the deadline, where they gave up on Kyrie and KD, bait, and it's just a kind of an island of misfit toys, guys that they're going to move in the off and get you know we don't they don't have their young like they don't have their nucleus right now they have my uh bridges who you know is probably the guy that they're gonna try to build around not necessarily as their one i mean he's he's looked great he looked like he could be a one for a team i don't think brooklyn wants to build around him as their franchise guy considering they just built around kevin freaking durant yeah. i could see him as a really good two um and they have but, the
1: capital now to to make that happen right they have the capital yeah. to to like i think i like michael bridges has proven michael Bridges has proven since he got to Brooklyn that like him being the second most important player on a championship team like like I, I I would be willing to listen to people who are not convinced of that, but I also think it would be irresponsible for someone to say that there's no way he can be the second best player on the championship team he's been he's looked he's looked really good,
0: yeah, and they've I, still had a losing record since the trade deadline so mm-hmm. The, the Sixers have no excuses not to win the series. I don't care if James Harden's hurt. That that injury will have more of an effect in the second round of the series against yeah. Boston, which if the Sixers were fully, fully healthy against Boston, I think you would have given them a chance. If Harden's not Harden, again, I don't know if I'm giving them much of a chance in that Boston yeah. series because Boston has consistently been Philly's bogey team. They have such good guard play that I just don't see a harden Maxi backcourt stopping, you know – brogdon white um who am i forgetting that they can throw even like if, i mean payton pritchard never plays um but he had a freaking like 30 point triple double in game 82 like he he's a serviceable nba player um so i i i I, just, saying,
1: I also would not like i won't be stunned if the if the nets are up by eight in the fourth quarter of game one i won't be stunned
0: yeah. In Philly. I feel like the, yeah, I feel like the 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 Sixers always have that first Saturday afternoon playoff game. Like the opening it's twelve PM Central this this year. So but man, if if Jock Vaughn and Mikkel Bridges and the Nets somehow pull this somehow yeah, somehow pull this out out oof, that but I don't think they will. Ultimately, I think the Sixers fall in the second round like they always do, and we're going to get. I think a Bucks. I think it's safe to say we're going to get a Bucks Celtics Eastern Conference Finals, and I think that's what everyone wants to see. Like those are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think Giannis is the best player on the world in, in the world, even though I don't think he's my MVP this year. Uh, we'll get into that in a bit, but right now my pick to get out of the East is the Bucks heading into the playoffs. Middleton's getting back to himself. Giannis is the best player on the planet. Uh, Joe Ingles adds a nice um, piece, it's a nice different dynamic to them this year. And Drew Holiday is arguably having the best year of his career, and uh, offensively at least. And he's you know he can hold up, uh, he can guard every every other team's best player, and he can you know help tame that Boston backcourt that makes them unique. Um, so, and they got home court. I think last year that's something that. They really regret is taking that last game and ultimately getting, I think it was the three seed to where they weren't. Um, they didn't have home court against Boston. That hurt them. They lost game seven in the second round of Boston in Boston. And they ultimately lost the game six in Milwaukee, which was the the biggest loss. But uh, I think home court's going to be big for them this year. And the Bucks right now are my pick uh, to make it out of the East. So I got Bucks Suns.
1: Oh, and by the by, you didn't even mention the guy that is a finalist for defensive player of the year. Yeah. Right. I mean, like that, they're just absolutely they're just absolutely loaded. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of the year, I picked the, the Bucks to win the title and I still am not uh, wavering from that, you know, six months later. Uh, I think they're the most complete team. And for my money, Giannis is the best player in the world. And uh, when you average 31, 12 and five and it's just kind of a normal season for you. And people are like, hey, I'm like, when we look back on it, are we really going to remember Giannis? Like, maybe not. But that's pretty impressive considering what his averages are this season. Uh, I'm all in on the Bucks, and uh, really hope that we get that that one-two matchup in the Eastern Conference Finals.
0: Yeah, we've become so accustomed to his greatness and greatness around the league that it it, it you become numb to it, and like you get really excited about guys that weren't as great in previous years, like SGA. And, you know, we kind of gravitate to those guys, but Giannis and I love SGA, don't get me wrong, but like Giannis is still, you know, absolutely incredible to watch. I think when I'm trying to analyze the playoffs and I'm looking at the history of the league, you know, in, in the 2010s, early 2010s, we had the Heat, Spurs, and Warriors dynasties. And so it was really a series of dynasty related championships. But ever since 2019, you know, we had... The starting then we had the Kawhi Leonard championship in 19. And then we had in 2020, we had the the Lakers LeBron AD post trade championship in 21. We had Giannis finally getting one last year. We had Curry getting one um, post Kevin Durant, like Curry finally getting one where you could say like himself, you know, finally being the guy in the finals and winning MVP and, and all that finally winning one after Kevin Durant. Uh, even though he won one in 15 without Kevin Durant as well. Um, So, you know, since 19, it's really been a series of, and, and since the league has changed to where it wasn't just LeBron coming out of the East every single year and the Warriors coming out of the West every single year, it's kind of been a series of like individual championships. And, you know, I'm trying to like think in my mind of like picture the narrative, like what feels right. Like, does Embiid finally get one? You know, I think this year Embiid's going to be more about getting the MVP than winning a championship. Does Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, did they finally get over the hump and win one? I could see that happening. Does, do, do John Morant and the young up and coming Grizzlies, you know, finally win one or not finally, but do, do they win one for the first time? I think we're still a few years away from the Grizzlies actually contending for a championship, championship, like but the best of the best. So I think we need to make a few moves and get some different pieces in that roster for as much as I want to see it happen this year. I I ultimately don't think it will. Do I see the Kings winning? No. Do I see Kem Durant winning one? Absolutely. I could see that happening. Like, you know, with this second team winning a championship, do I see Jokic winning one? I I don't know if they have enough defensive pieces to, to make it happen this year. So like narrative wise, I think it's going to come down to, like a Giannis going for that second and propelling him even more into the lore of NBA history, you know, two MVPs, two championships, just have two or three MVPs, two MVPs, two championships. And, um, you know, he's going to, he could, if he wins the championship this year, he's propelling himself even further into the, you know, annals of NBA history. And then I could also see Kevin Durant. So I think like, it's it's ultimate a lot of it like comes down to the narratives in, in the nba and i'm trying to like picture the best possible narrative or what narrative feels the best for me this year and right now i'm feeling like it's going to be damn like we're we're witnessing one of the the of the greatest players to ever play this game and he he's going to pick up a second championship in in milwaukee in a small market which makes it even more impressive
1: yeah agreed
0: you want to get into our awards before we get out?
1: Let's do it. Let's do it.
0: All right, we can run through it. Um, My MVP, uh, I have Embiid. I think I hit on that earlier. Embiid first, Giannis second, Jokic, Tatum, and Mitchell as my top five. I just think – I just – if I remember – like any the most out of this regular season, I think it's going to be Embiid. I, I, and I think, you know, for as great as he's been, you know, and I know it's it's all about one season and not a, a, a series of seasons, but I mean, Joel Embiid deserves to win at least one MVP in his career. He's been one of the top five players in the past five years. So I think it's going to be his year.
1: Yeah. Uh, he's my pick as well. Um, I only had a top three, uh, but uh, Embiid, Giannis, Jokic yep. is my top three. Yeah. Um, 33, 10 and four is an absolutely preposterous stat line. Um, And I just personally, I think that Giannis is just a better player than, than Jokic and 31, 12 and six basically um, is I'm just for the best player on the best team in the NBA. um, I, I like, I just, I felt like the the nuggets and Jokic kind of let off the gas the last month or so, which is fine. It doesn't, they don't need to be going, you know, nose to the grindstone when they've pretty much locked up the one c That's fine. Um, but I I'm a bigger Giannis fan in general, and I thought his his year was was pretty special. Jokic 24 24, 12 and 10, basically, which is of course also ludicrous, but um gave Giannis the slight edge uh in in that two spot Jokic three. Um but those were those were clearly the the top three guys.
0: Yeah, I mean Giannis is an All NBA defensive player, are all defense, and that's the other part too. And that's that separates him from Jokic, in my opinion. Jokic is a bit of a turnstile on defense, and I think that we'll see that in the playoffs as well.
1: Yeah,
0: Rookie of the Year, I think Ben unanimous is is going to be pretty clearly the the winner. Um, and then second, I got Jalen Williams from OKC, and third, yep. I'm going with Walker Kessler from Utah. Right I would take you. Kessler over Gobert right now.
1: I would say that I think and that's the thing I wanted to talk about here more than anything else was just like, like, do you think that Kessler would be getting as much buzz right now and and his season would be getting as much recognition if he wasn't the guy that the Timberwolves had traded for Gobert? Probably not. And and I don't even know if that's I don't even know if that's fair to, to bring that up as part of the conversation. But but that that trade has been so at the forefront of everyone's mind like it might not have been until the all-star break in any other year that people realized how good Walker Castle was. And, and I, you know, he finished near the top of the league in block percentage. He's clearly an all NBA level defender. And like, he had a really, really solid, uh, really, really solid um, season. But I thought, I thought Jalen Williams, especially after the all-star break was, was, was like super duper special um, and had like, like pretty striking numbers. Like he he had numbers that I was like, wow, it was that good. Um, yeah. And and I think and you know, I think I'm 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 here for rewarding that. Um, yeah. Ultimately, one second here, I'm, I'm grabbing. I feel like I have a number wrong here. Yeah. Uh, he's he averaged 18.6. 18. 18 Jalen Williams. That is. Uh, 18. After the All Star break, 18.6, 5.4 rebounds, 4.3 assists, 1.7 steals on 54-42-88 splits.
0: Yeah, that's. I'll absurd. take
1: it. I'll take it.
0: I mean that that OKC team is looming, man. They're they're monsters looming. They're super super young, but they got SGA, who's an All NBA guy, and leading the helm, and Chet coming back. Who knows what pick they get this year? And Jalen Williams, who looks like he's an All Star caliber player. So they're terrifying.
1: Um, that's that's high up on my list of things. I'm I'm that's already in the back of my mind about next season is, yeah, is the yeah. Thunder with Chet.
0: Yep, and you know Kessler was a nine and eight, like nine points, eight rebounds. Um, so it's, yeah, it's not like the numbers blow you out of the out of the water. Two point three blocks per game is really impressive as a rookie. Uh, Definitely, but yeah, I, I think he's 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 third. Uh, Matherin would have been in the top three, but he kind of fell off after his hot start.
1: Fell off. He had to struggle with some injuries, and I just think as as that team, like I think he really benefited from the momentum that they kind of built early in the season. The Pacers, yeah. And as guys, you know, there were some injuries. Guys kind of fell off. And, like, make just step back from Matherin and make the guy shoot it. And and as 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 you get more tape on rookies, I think I think people were kind of were kind of uh, taken aback by how aggressive Matherin was early on. And as teams kind of acclimated themselves to that, uh, things got a little bit more difficult for him.
0: I think we predicted the Pacers season to a T in the sense that they were gonna ultimately win too many games, win too many games that they shouldn't be winning, and um end up with like the eighth or ninth pick. And ultimately they lost that last game of the year, which messed around with their the lottery odds. And now they're they're probably gonna end up with like the eighth or ninth pick when they could have if they really wanted to been just abysmal tanks for a top three pick. But no it, it's Indiana Pacers basketball baby. They're content with being, you know, 30 winning 30 games and when they should tank and try to get a top three pick. And it's frustrating, but they at least they have something in Matherin and, and Halliburton moving forward.
1: Yeah. You, when you look at Matherin's stats after the all-star break, he, he finished with 16.7 points per game this season, 43, 32, 82 splits and uh, fell off a little bit after the all-star break, 14.9 points. Uh, shot only 45 percent from the field Um, so uh, I think he's I think he's good Uh, he's he's definitely a guy that's that's tough to handle and when he figures out uh, kind of being locked in on the defensive end more often and and maybe gets a little bit better from the three-point line I think he'll be an important part of that Pacers team moving forward
0: and he's got the athletic ability to to do that for sure also rookie of the year uh or an all all rookie teams shout out to big body Roddy. Um body key, key Roddy piece of that Grizzlies bench this year. And man, he he's looking nice. He's a he's a big body. The last name Roddy. Coach of the year, <laughs> um, we're going, I'm going Mike Brown first. Yep. I think that's gonna be pretty, pretty much unanimous. Second, this might be a bit of an interesting take, but I'm going Jock Vaughn in Brooklyn. Okay. I, I don't know if I've heard yeah. that nationally yet, but was really impressed with the way he, you know he obviously took over from Steve Nash, which didn't work, got that Kyrie KD team looking like title contenders. Um, then that that shit hit the fan there. Whatever he's like, fine, and now this team is that he's he's managing to somehow make the playoffs. Um, still they a lot of people thought they'd fall to a play in, but they held on to that six, and I think you gotta you know tip your cap to Jock uh, made the Nets a lot better defensively when they had Katie and, and Kyrie. It handled the 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 Ben Simmons situation to the best of his abilities. Um, so I have him second. I thought I was impressed with him this year. I think he's earned. Um, I'm not sure if he still has the interim tag on. I don't, I don't think he does, but he's certainly established himself as. A legitimate NBA head coach, and then third, I have Doc Rivers. I, I think you have to give mm-hmm. Doc Rivers a lot of credit for what he did with with Philly, managing Maxi, Harden, and obviously Embiid this year. Um, integrating a PJ Tucker into the rotation. Um, you know, things could have gone wrong in Philly really easily, but they're still three seed. So I'll I'll give him my 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 third spot. I can't believe Ryan Russell had Willie Green third from the pelicans a a play-in team that you know we all were saying was one of the deepest teams in the league heading into the season i'm sure he said it himself i'm almost positive he did so he was basically saying he was so impressed with what they did with without zion i'm like i mean they sucked they they're did you
1: forget that they started like 23 and 12 did you forget that part
0: yeah, and they cratered since yeah. then. So I, I in no way was I impressed with New Orleans this season. Yeah. I don't understand that pick at all.
1: No. No, I'm good. I'm good. That's that's Rasilla trying to be different. hmm hmm Um my coach are Mike Brown, like you said. Um, like if you don't have Mike Brown, you need to stop taking yourself too seriously. Yeah. Um I've got two different coaches actually. Um I went Bickerstaff two. Okay. Um, and then I went Mark Dagnall, three. Mm-hmm. Um I I, I would almost go to Dagnall being his coaching job being more impressive. I'm just like kind of a stickler for like, Hey, your, your basketball team needs to win a good amount of games for, for you to be like when bigger. So when when the discrepancy between bigger staffs wins and Dagnall twins are what they are like, I'm just going to go with the guy that, that has, you know, the, the Cavs finished with 51 wins and the, the Thunder are sitting at forty, so that's eleven win difference. So that was the that was the reasoning for two and three. the The thing that was impressive about Dignal is like the Thunder keep you know accumulating assets and accumulating assets, but like and we've talked about this before, you and I, that at some point you got to start winning basketball games, like actually winning basketball games, and maybe even more importantly, feeling like you're turning these assets and these young players and these talented guys into a direction. And now, like we're all, I think it's pretty unanimous that we're excited about the direction of the Thunder, and yeah. I think a lot of that is is because of Dagnall. So uh, he got the nod as well.
0: Yeah, they have no real three point shooters. They have no size. Their leading rebounder is a freaking point guard, mm-hmm. and they're in a playing game. So you you got to tip your cap to them. Um, but I yeah, Mike Brown, you know, a team that where a lot of people were penciling into the playoffs ended up with the three seed. You gotta tip your cap to to him and and,
1: and putting together an offense that is genuinely unstoppable. Like, yeah. gen, like you just gotta hope that they don't knock down shots. That's the only way you stop the Kings' offense.
0: It really is. Yeah, that's why I'm so intrigued by that Warrior series. Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, this is this is one where there's no clear cut. Uh, we're seeing a lot of different votes come in, and a lot of people are predict picking a lot of or voting for a lot of different people. My pick is Jaron, man. Like I'm obviously I'm biased there, but the way he impacts the 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 Grizzlies defensively, like without Stephen Adams for now the past couple months, you know he's come in and play the playing the five, and the he's the fulcrum of everything we do on defense. He's the he's the reason that we you know have the I think we're like second in defensive rating right now. And, you know, I know we have Dylan Brooks, who's, who's great defensively as well on the perimeter, but Jaron, man, like he, he stops everything. He's, he's a rim protector. He, you know, the blocks per game with him are are, like absurd. And considering a guy that struggles with foul trouble, the fact that he has so many blocks is is really impressive to me. Um, Also gets a lot of steals. I I don't have the numbers in front of me. You you might have them up right now, Um, but you know, I think he led the league in stocks, steals and blocks so he kind of checks all the boxes and I'm obviously biased but I, I want to see the guy win it because I think he could have won it last year and um, I think he deserved it this year second I have Brooke Lopez and then third I, I went with Evan Mobley um, Marcello and Bill Bill Simmons both went with Mobley um, I I still think you know when you have in you know, a really good defensive center behind you and Jared Allen you, you can kind of have some freedom to, to do more. Jaron. the fact that he was playing five for a lot of the season, cause Steven Adams has been out for a while. Like, it's not like he's been only out he's been gone for, for two weeks. It's been since I think late February, early March when he got, when he went out. So um, the, the, the job that Jaron did in Memphis is, is really impressive this year. And I I'm giving him the nod. I'm giving it to him.
1: Uh, he's my pick as well. Um, this is like, i like, I've been a little disappointed in like, like there's a lot of like having your cake and eating it too with the NBA awards. And there's a lot of like turning the NBA awards into something that they're not, they don't need to be this year. And like, like Jaron Jackson Jr. was the most disruptive defensive player in the NBA this year. Yeah. Like, and, and anybody like, like that's borderline not up for discussion. It's just not. And, and, and you add on to like, Like we can talk about like, right. Would you love for the foul trouble to not be for the, for the foul trouble to be less of an issue? Yeah, of course. Is it, is it a concern going into a series where he's the only formidable big man that the Grizzlies have left that's healthy on their roster right now? Yeah. But like, it's like we're we're acting like, and, and he played this year, he played 62. He played 63 games. and He played 28 minutes a game. Like hearing people talk about how he can't stay on the floor. Like he played, like he played 22 minutes a game. Like, like I just can't. Like I'm just not all that that upset about it. And when I, when you when you miss the beginning of the season, and your team goes from one of the worst NBA defenses to the best NBA defense, um, sometimes the writing is just on the on the wall. Like sometimes it just is. Yep. And I just don't think it needs to be. I just don't think it needs to be more more difficult than that. I just don't like it. And in a season where like the MVP is gonna play 65 games. Like
0: Yeah, 62 games. What's the difference?
1: Yeah, like it's just it's just not it's just not that big of a deal. And it's just not one of those like there are some of some awards where I am more interested in some of those other things. Like I don't think you can be like I generally am into the your team should probably be one of the three best teams in, in the conference. If you're going to win MVP, like probably that should be the case. Yep. And some of these other things that we'll do, in, uh, uh, all NBA first team here in a second, but like, and, and there as well, for the most part, I'm kind of into that thing is, is that kind of idea as well. But when it comes to defensive player of the year, like I'm looking for the guys that have the most impact when they're on the floor playing defense. And the answer to that question is Jared Jackson. here.
0: Absolutely. Look, it's gonna be it's gonna be razor thin if he if he ends up pulling it off. If he,
1: yeah, I was looking at this tracker this tracker document that you sent me, and it is it is pretty. Like you can just kind of scroll through and see, okay, who is gonna who's most likely to to win. But I'm looking, you know, there's like a Draymond Green. There's a couple of Draymond Green ones, but and and it looks like Jaren Jackson Jr. has the slight edge. But there's a lot of Evan Mobley and 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 Brooke Lopez. But uh, but yeah, it's gonna be close for sure.
0: The Draymond Green love is so comical. Like, sure, he's a great defender, but he gets so much praise for this team this year because he's literally the only defender on their team. He was the only defender on the team in the regular season because Wiggins was out for so long. They didn't have Peyton. Like, who else is playing defense on that team? It's right. literally him. Right. So, obviously, he's going to look good in, in a lot of situations. First team all NBA. I actually didn't have too much of an issue with this. SGA and Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell are my guards. Yep. and then Giannis tatum forward and bead center
1: yeah that's what i have that's uh that's that's pretty uh pretty spot on i think um i think sga was just so good this season that and and that the success can be relative when it comes to him this year um i lucas wouldn't have been on my first team because i just think it's objectively different uh, defining success for the Mavericks this year and defining success for the the Thunder this year. Yeah, um, I think Mitchell has been has been spectacular and a team that is clearly different with him on that team. I think that that's part of it for me as well. That team clearly has a different ceiling, clearly has a different talent level when he's on that team. And then yeah, Tatum was the best forward uh, along with Giannis um, and and Embiid. And Embiid gets that uh, that spot for me at uh, the center position.
0: Yeah, like what's so impressive for me about SGA is the fact that he ended up averaging thirty-one points a game, and he takes like no threes. So the fact that he's getting all of his points in the three-point line, with it within, inside the three-point line, in an era where there's so much emphasis on the three-point shooting, he's a throwback guard man, and he's a lot of fun to watch. I got to see him play in person in Chicago. He was great. Um, so. Easily first team for me. And you know, he, someone that Thunder fans can really be excited about.
1: He took four more free throws a game this year than he did last year. Four. He went from 24, he went from 24, six and five basically, to 31, 6 and 5. And he went from 7.2 free throw attempts per game to 10.9, shooting 90% from the line. That's also like he was an 80%, like straight up 80% three free throw shooter. Um for the first four years of his career, and then this year it's just up ten percent on three more attempts. Really, really, really cool stuff.
0: Yeah, he 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 he's really good at at getting to the rim, um, and it'll be fun to watch his career develop. You didn't go second team, third team. I did. I'll just list them real quick. Go for, for it, listeners. Um, my second team guards are uh, Jaron Fox and Steph Curry. I think you have to have Fox and Sabonis on an all-NBA team. You just do Forwards, I'm going Luka and and Jimmy Butler, and then my center is Jokic for second. Third, I'm going Brunson and Holiday as my guards. Did you say
1: Brown on your second team? Nope. You didn't,
0: okay. No, Brown's on my third as a forward with LeBron and Sabonis, and then Brunson and Holiday as my guards. I think you have to have representation from the Knicks, and I just value – what Brunson did and how he so obviously made the Knicks better this year. Um, you have to have him on an all NBA team. You have to have one of Randall or, or Brunson. I just lean Brunson because uh, of his value. And it's then, the same
1: conversation as with the, as with Donovan Mitchell, just not quite to the same degree. Exactly. It's clearly a different team with, with Jalen Brunson on it.
0: Yep, exactly. And then Drew Holiday, one, you know, does deserved it. Bill Simmons had him on his second team. I don't know about that, um, but yeah. I think he deserves it. And then Jalen Brown could have had him on, on second, but I mean Luca for as disappointing as the Maverick season was. I mean, the guy still puts up Looney to his numbers. So um put him there. And then yeah. Sabonis. He's just so
1: annoying. Yeah, like, i am I'm, I'm in a very annoyed spot with Luka Doncic right now.
0: Me too. Don't love him as a player. Like, but he's he puts up 30,
1: 32, two, eight, and eight and a half.
0: <laughs> I mean, you can't tell me that's not second team all NBA.
1: Freaking ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Um, and Sabonis, you've got to, he has to be, he's he will undoubtedly be a 13 mile NBA center this year. So well, that's my out. list. That's our awards. That's our playoff predictions for this year.
1: I'm locked in. I'm locked in
0: all starts on Saturday. The bulls are playing the Raptors right now. Um, you can go watch that mid off on ESPN. Uh,
1: <laughs> Followed by another mid off. That's slightly more intriguing. Yeah. Between the, between the Pelicans and the Thunder
0: it's all about it's all about tv revenue and more ticket sales and all that stuff um, but ultimately it doesn't make it the the product better now but we get more games so it's, it's something at least uh, but it all really starts on saturday um and for
1: yeah real quick how did you feel about the regular season
0: it was kind of mid um i was disappointed as per usual with a lot of the load management Um, I thought the most interesting storyline, honestly, was the whole John Morant Grizzlies thing, because it was at a point there where, you know, like, were we going to see the guy again in the regular season? Um, Does this guy have real problems? Um, Which, I mean, he still might. We don't know. But um, I think, ultimately, I think it's going to be a good thing for, for the Grizzlies moving forward. But that was the most intriguing thing, you know, the MVP was, got toxic, which was again, kind of disappointing mm-hmm. uh, with some of the, the dialogue surrounding that nationally. Um, and then, you know, in terms of like memorable games or memorable moments, like I guess you had a couple guys dropping 70 and it was, a, a, you know, a year in, where the offense and the scoring was, was astronomical.
1: Yeah.
0: Which, you know, was, was fun to watch. Um, there were a lot of league pass teams, like the Kings and the Thunder were a ton of fun to watch this year. And if I had to pick like a game that sticks out to me the most, is probably that Kings Clippers double overtime game that broke the scoring record. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, ultimately if like we see a Lakers Warriors second round series, it's like, okay, how much does the regular season even matter? Like the Lakers were in, like 12th in the, in the West heading into, to March in like mid March and LeBron was out. And then he comes back for the last couple of weeks and they make a push Ultimately, are now the freaking seven seed. It's like I just think it's too long. Like it's too long, and they'll probably never make it shorter because from a league perspective, why do you want to cut out all those games? Um, And then they're adding in the freaking midseason tournament, which is just adding more unnecessary games. And we don't still know much about the format with that. But ultimately, like I'll be very, very curious to see where this goes moving forward. And you know, with the sixty-five games. Uh, limit for awards next year. Do we see more guys playing consistently in the regular season? But like, you know, with the, with the TV rights deal coming up, like they, they need to get, I, I think they need to make this regular season product better because, you know, from like an advertisement perspective, someone that works in advertising, like, why am I going to put my money, my advertising dollars into advertising within your league, which, you know, advertising is a huge reason why these TV rights deals are so large you know, it's because advertisers want their 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 dollar their their product in front of all these eyes. But if the regular season product sucks and people are turned off by it and they aren't watching it, why am I going to put my dollars into it? So is the the next TV rights deal actually going to be as astronomical as they're predicting? No, I think the NBA is at a really important crossroads, and I think Adam Silver, um, we need to see him be a little bit more cutthroat. And we really, you know, we've seen him kind of you know, lay down to certain things and, and let the players really get their way. Um, but he, he's got some decisions to make moving forward. Well, what about you?
1: Yeah, I think I, I have the same relationship with the regular season every year. Um, I, uh, I'm i into it at the beginning, then it'll, it'll trail off a little bit and I'll kind of get into the teams that I just like to, to watch more than anything else. And then it'll come back a little bit at the end and then I'll just remember how much ready I am for the playoffs. I do think, I do think that, that they're moving. Like, I think the 65 game thing, like I, I'm really intrigued by how it'll work out because it's not like there was plenty of load management this year, but like Steph didn't make it to 60 games cause he was hurt. LeBron. Right. I mean, Durant didn't make it to 60 games cause he was hurt. Like, so I, I'm curious, like, if we'll ever get like really wonky all NBA teams, because like they're just, it just happens to be a year where a lot of the best guys play like 64 games and don't get to that 65 game mark. Um, but, you know, I think, I think the the play in tournament continues to do what it was meant to do, which is make the end of the regular yep. season more interesting. I think that continues to be a W, but um, ultimately the thing that would fix the regular season is something that they're never will do which is something that they will never do which is cut down the number of games.
0: It should be never... 65 games in the regular season. Yes. Something like that.
1: I agree. Yeah. But they're just not going to do that, and we'll just have to live with the consequences. Uh, and the league will have to live with the consequences um, at the expense of, of bigger media deals.
0: And at, at, then there's an argument you can make of, well, if they make the regular season 65 games, then guys are just going to end up playing 40.
1: <laughs> right. but Which is like weird, six... man go ahead if you make it 65 and you play it over the same amount of time then guys will play more games they just will because you can because you can load manage because then you can put load management on off days (laughs) rather than on game days
0: right yeah you would hope so um i don't know man like you would think these guys are professional basketball players you think they would love to play basketball and go out there every night like i love playing basketball i look forward to my sunday league games every every weekend that's only once a week i mean these guys are doing it all day every day so maybe it's you know less enjoyable at that point when it's a job but i mean you're still playing basketball for a living should be fun
1: yeah all all all, all i'm saying is is that there was a golf league made because guys wanted to play less golf so that's just kind of the way that people that professional athletes seem to feel about it
0: yeah that's the, that's very valid, and we kind of saw that uh, bite them in the ass on Sunday in the Masters, where they oh, only uh, know how to play three rounds, apparently.
1: Vamos, vamos!
0: <laughs> and Kepko put on a massive beer gut. Um, yeah. But hey, the regular season in the rear window, and we are ready for the playoffs that really get going on Saturday. Um, I'm sure we'll be potting at, at points throughout the at, throughout the postseason. We're going to be tapped in, locked in. Um, anything before we get out?
1: Uh, I don't think so, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes, sir. Thanks for coming on. Go Grizzlies. Talk to you on the next episode. Peace out.